Hello, my friends, and welcome. This is the Joe Martino Show. Let's talk about parenting today. Ginger from PA writes in and asks a question about what it means to raise men. And then we're going to talk about some parenting axioms and my fear that we have lost our minds when it comes to parenting. Let's kick it off. This is the Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome. This is The Joe Martino Show, and it has been a morning, let me just tell you. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting today, but before we do, I need to uh, have a little therapy session with you, my therapist. Today, I had something, reworked my personal webpage, got the logo up, Snapchatted it to some friends, and one of my friends wrote me back and said, hey, this word's misspelled. So I had to fix that. That's on me. I didn't catch it, but so I had to fix that. Didn't get my episode done. Normally, the time that it currently is, I'd be just wrapping this up and editing it. Then I have brand new shoes on. If you know me, you know I like shoes. My family got me some Vans for my birthday. I'm sitting here drinking my hot buttered cinnamon coffee. If you haven't had one, I'd encourage you to get one. I'm sitting here drinking it. I go to move and the coffee sloshes out of my mug, which is a twofold problem. One, because coffee should never be wasted and dumped on the ground. And two, because it landed directly on my shoe and now I'm not sure how to clean my sneaker. Which is a big deal to me, so don't be laughing at me. I imagine some of you currently are. Let's talk about parenting. Uh, I got a couple emails about parenting, some questions. I'm going to read one today and answer it. And then we're going to talk about something that I saw on Facebook that just blew my mind. I know I might have lost a few of you there with Facebook, but literally it just blew my mind the entire conversation. We're going to talk about the principle of the conversation. And then I'm going to share some parenting axioms that I've uh, developed over the years that I'm in the process of developing. They're not complete. Someday I want to write a book on it. Someday I want to write some blog posts about it. Uh, but right now they're not complete. So they're in progress. They're in process. But we're going to talk about them. All right. Well, let's just kick this right off with Ginger from PA. Ginger from PA writes, In Podcast 78, you said, quote, Because of the way we raise men, we're raising little boys. End quote. Uh, And then she writes, I strive to parent intentionally. I am a mother raising a son. Would you be willing to explain your observations and wisdom on how to raise men? Ginger from PA. First of all, Ginger, thank you for listening. I always appreciate it. Thank you for taking time to write in. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about this for a minute. And if you know me, Ginger, you know that I'm going to start out with questions. And the question that I often start out with is, what does it mean to be a man in 2020? Because one of the things that is going on in society is we have a crisis of what it means to be a man. I hear phrases like toxic masculinity, but I actually wonder, do we even know what masculinity is? And I'm not talking about, you know, certainly I feel like we take this kick sand in people's face stereotype and we try to translate it out to everyone in the whole world unfairly. And so what does it mean to be a man in 2020? One of the things that I was taught to do as a child is to open doors for anyone. I can't tell you how many times I have somebody snap at me uh, for opening the door for them. What, do you think because I'm a woman I can't open the door? Nope, I'd open the door for you if you were a man or a woman, old, young, little, tall, big. It wouldn't matter. 
I just opened the door for people because I was told it's polite. It's a good thing for us to do. Uh, I say yes, ma'am, and no, sir. What does that mean? Right? Well, you are. And people start to get very angry because what does it mean to be a man? We want boys to be uh, boys. And we're elongating adolescence. In other words, we're not calling men to be grown up, to be responsible. Uh, I cannot tell you how many men sit in my office and they're just, well, my, my marriage isn't very fun, so I feel like I should be getting drunk. Well, dude, you're 26, 27, 25, 24. You are married. You have kids. Or I hear people say, well, I'm not getting married uh, until I'm as old as I can be because I just want to have fun. I just want to party. And, and we're, you know, when my dad graduated high school, it was expected that he would engage in adult activities. My generation, it was when you graduate college. Now I'm afraid, like, we're telling people it's in their 30s, 40s. Just be as old as you want to be. Just party for as long as you want to. Get the man cave. Don't think too deeply. Don't have too strong of an opinion. Right? We, tell, we, we are telling, but you can't have too strong of an opinion because, because that's wrong. In fact, I have a friend that's a graphic designer in, in Ohio, and he and I were talking just yesterday and he was talking about how he had drawn up something uh, that, to be honest with you, is, is, is somewhat crude, so I'm not going to get into the details. But it was essentially, he, he is a critique, he is critiquing society. If women buy certain uh, objects, they're, they're, they're empowered. If men buy them, they're a loser. And, and he's like, there's just, we have a double standard that we're not willing to talk about. And certainly... History is rife with the double standard going both ways. We're not trying to diminish that, but we are saying, what does it mean to be a man in 2020? And here's some things that I think are important for us as we raise boys. And I have a boy. I have a seven-year-old. It's good for them to wrestle and play. I can't tell you how many parents bring their kids into our office and they're like, well, I think he has ADHD or there's something wrong. Well, why is something wrong? Well, because they get wrestling and somebody gets mad. Yeah, that's a great opportunity for you to regulate their emotions, for you to help them regulate their emotions, for you to say, okay, so you were wrestling and you got mad. What happened? Well, he put me in a headlock for too long. Okay, and so what happened when you got mad? Well, what actually happened was you got afraid, and then you just let your actions take over. One of the reasons we have men who don't know how to regulate their emotions that are strong and negative is because when we're, they're boys, we don't tell them, teach them how to regulate them. We just tell them they can't have them, and that's a problem. We don't teach them the value of hard work. We don't, we just, we, we, we talk about it, but we want the schools to teach them. We want football to teach them. We want other things to teach them. We have to teach them hard work. We have to teach them that life isn't always fun. Video games are not real life. And I've got nothing against video games. I have a gaming system. I'm very excited. In just a few weeks, my favorite game comes out. This year's version of it, I'll play it. I'll buy it. I'll, I'll have fun with it. But we have to find a way to teach men that that isn't what is uh, real life. That, that's part of real life. That's a great way. So for me, it's a great uh, way for me to occupy my mind in a way that I can solve problems in the background. And I find I, I get a lot of good thinking done when I play. We have a paradox, if you will, about how we raise boys. When they're little, we want them to play in a certain way. We don't want them to be too loud. We don't want them to wrestle. We don't want them to build forts. We don't want them to mess up our house. And then when they're older, we want them to play. We don't want them to have too strong of an opinion. Don't get too rowdy. And, and you know, there are certainly things that we need to address on all sides of this. 
But one of the things that we're doing is we're not raising men who can lead anything. Uh, one of the things that, that my wife and I talk about a lot is how many guys, they try to please their wife at all cost. And so they avoid having any conversation that they think is going to cause distress or anger or anything in her because they can't tolerate the distress and the anger. And so they agree to do things that they don't really want to do and then they don't go do them instead of just saying, I don't want to do that. So like if my wife says to me, hey, you want to go to the store? I could say, well, no, I don't want to go to the store. I will go to the store if you want me to. We can hang out. But I don't want to go to the store. Where, or, or can you cut the grasses? Whatever it is, can you, can you cook dinner? Well, I don't care what the task is. But we're not teaching men. We're not teaching boys. And the truth is we're not doing a very good job with women either in teaching them how to tolerate distress and, and negative emotions in other people. And then Jordan Peterson, who I know a lot of people love and a lot of people hate or dislike, in his book, 12 Rules, he talks about how one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're raising men to be dependent upon their mothers. I, I just had a conversation recently with a 48-year-old man who's going to his mom for money. And okay, on one hand, you could be like, well, that's nice that he's doing that. That's good that she can help him. But it comes with unhealthy enmeshment which is what I pointed out to him. I'm like, dude, the problem is this, is this is causing you to be enmeshed with your mom in a way that isn't healthy. Because one of the things that's happening as husbands are bailing on their families, as husbands are not uh, appropriately working through discord with their wives, and they're either just outright leaving or becoming emotionally disconnected, moms are raising boys to fill that need. And that's a harsh statement. I know it is. That's one that typically when I bring it up, I, I always get a little nervous when I bring that up if I'm speaking to people because I can see their angry reaction across the room. We're raising boys who are dependent upon their moms into adulthood, and that isn't the way it's supposed to be. Which brings us to another problem that I feel we have in society. We don't know what it means to raise kids. What are we doing? Are we raising kids? Are we raising adults? Do we want kids? Do we want pets? And, and so this kind of runs in. That's kind of my transition into the next portion of this. So Ginger, I hope that that answers your question. I think those are some observations. Uh, you, you asked about, well, how do I think we raise men? I think we let them engage. We let them struggle. We let them engage. And when they're little, like my seven-year-old, he wrestles and he's playing with airplanes and he turns a coat hanger into an airplane and a truck and, and he plays and he, you know, he's wrecking stuff. And then there's other times he wants to hold the cat and he pets the cat. But he's just all go all the time. Here's something that we have to address. 90% of all ADHD diagnoses are boys. That is a statistical anomaly that indicates we have a societal problem, not a boy problem. But we don't want boys to play. So that's where I'd start. Let them play. If your son goes to school... Fight vigorously for more recess time in a, in a very polite way or whatever. But, you know, I don't know how they do it out in PA, but fight vigorously for more recess time. If you homeschool him, get him a lot of playtime. Get him hands-on learning. It's okay. He doesn't have to play football or baseball or any of those sports. He can like ballet for all I care. I'm not talking about what the activity is, but he needs to engage in activities. He needs to, like, I love to read as a kid. So my mom... I didn't realize this till I was an adult. She purposely made space for me to read. 
Uh, my dad purposely went to the store and bought books for me to read. And, and so they let me engage in that. And at the same time, they taught me that there's a time to read and a time to clean the house. There's a time to read and there's a time to wash dishes. We have to teach kids responsibility and play. It's not either or, it's both and. So I would start there. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. If it doesn't, feel free to uh, write in again and um, let me know you know, how, how I can answer that more. I, I do want to transition to a little bit for into the broader concept here of we, I'm afraid we're losing our minds when it comes to parenting. Can, can I just say that? I have four kids and I get it. I am terrified to talk about parenting. I talk to a lot of people who lament that there's so many parents who don't seem to quote, do anything. I talk to people who are pro spanking. I talk to people who are anti spanking. I frustrate people because I talk about we don't do a lot of consequences at our house. We do a lot of talking, a lot of, of educating, a lot of like, hey, no, I'm not against consequences. Uh, I just want them to be less severe, more repeatable. And, and you know, I get it. I, I do think one of the things that, that, that is happening is I watch and I'm, you know, we observe human behavior as counselors. And, and I'm, I'm thinking through, okay, so what's going on with, Parents, why are parents today so much more? And part of it is, is and, and this is a hobby horse of mine that I talk about any chance I get. We're too busy and we do it to ourselves. We put our kids in too many sports, too many activities. We run all around the county. And, and at some point, we've just got to step back and say, look, this isn't working. We did this to invest in our children. And we're actually spinning it out and causing more issues, more problems. It isn't working. Uh there are more problems with being overscheduled, more physical problems for the kids, more emotional and mental problems for the kids. And then there are the parents that don't get involved at all, and certainly that's sad. And, and you know, we've got this issue where, as parents, we think we're responsible for everything in our kids' lives. If they're, they, We have to entertain them. How many people do you know, and maybe you're one of them, who spends two, three hours a night doing your kids' homework? That's an insane concept to me. I just refuse to do my kids' homework. I'll help them for a few minutes. And then at, at that point, I'd be like, okay, look, you need to go to your teacher. I can get you a tutor. You can get a tutor that I'm happy to pay for, but you're going to have to figure out what it means to get this done because you, I'm not going to be around forever to solve your problems. And yeah, I'm talking about even young kids. I tell parents to do this. It's not your job to solve your kids' problems. It's your job to make sure your kid has the tools, which means conversations, uh, which means good questions. And, and, and embracing this idea that we have to solve all of our kids' problems, we have to entertain them, we have to do their homework, that's hogwash. I talk to parents all the time who are like, it's just so exhausting in the morning getting my kids up. Don't get them up. Especially like by the time they get to junior high, don't get them up. Well, what do you mean don't get them up? Don't. It's really simple. Do not get them up. Let them experience the natural consequences of not getting up. They'll be late for school. That'll cause problems for them. But that's part of the problem. We, we have handcuffed schools so that we can't really have consequences at schools anymore. Teachers are, are handcuffed. One of my fundamental beliefs is that everything we're doing is teaching. And when we handcuff schools, that there can't be consequences. How many times have we had parents, the kid gets in trouble and they automatically assume that the teacher was wrong? What we're teaching the kid is they're never wrong. And that's a problem. Now, look, I've gone to teachers and gone to bat for my kids. I've also gone to bat for the teacher with my kids and been like, look, you can't do that. And 
you know, that is something that we have to wrestle with. But we've lost our mind when it comes to parenting because we're living in extremes. Last week I'm on Facebook, and I'm not going to get into the specifics. Someone in my community, and I live in a small community, put up something that they did as a parent that was, it wasn't abusive, but it was just totally inappropriate. And at the very best, it wasn't wise. Because if it didn't quote, and I'm putting this in air quotes, so please hear this in air quotes, didn't work, where do they go from there? What's next? And I've talked about that in the past, less severe, more repeatable. But what concerned me was, and I saw it, and I was immediately like, oh my goodness, I took a screenshot, sent it to my wife, can you believe that? We chatted about it for a little bit. I said, so I feel like at the very best it wasn't wise. I kind of feel like it was, I actually feel like it was wrong. I also don't feel like I should join in that conversation because A, there's the amen chorus, and B, Facebook isn't probably a very good place to have that conversation. And, and, and in the post, the parents said, one of the things that they said is, was essentially, well, what else was I supposed to do? I didn't yell at them or hit them. Oh, yeah, that's true. But yelling and hitting them isn't the problem. It is a problem, but it's going to intensity that's the problem. That's why you yell or hit, because you think intensity wins. And all, all that this parenting situation did was find a different way to be intense. And the comments just blew my mind. Like people that I, 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 I yeah, I don't even know what to say because I, I was going to say I, I respect them as parents, but the truth is I'm not sure that that's accurate. We're not allowed to say that in society, right? That's a problem. That'll get people upset. But they're like, hey, that's good parenting. Way to go. No, 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 it wasn't good parenting because here's the thing. It worked out. Like you got to have a good conversation with your kid and that's awesome, but you just went to intensity a different way. And so here's axiom number one. Consistency wins. Consistency always wins. So if little Johnny's being disrespectful, if little Susie is being a terror, you have to learn to be consistent. And there are times like my son, I'll be like, Joey, don't do that. And he just keeps doing it. He looks at me and he gives me these manure-eating grin eyes. Like, ha-ha, Dad. Well, that's rebellion. And it's something that has to be addressed. But it doesn't have to be addressed with intensity. Avoiding intensity is important. Go for consistency and go for consistent teaching. Now, you can express negative emotions. You can express that you're frustrated. You can express that you're angry. You can get intense in that way. You can get uh, severe. You can, like, like, that's a human emotion. But, but you can engage in intense behaviors. Because it doesn't work long-term. It will just lead you to more distress long-term. And that's the thing that I try to convince people all the time. First of all, you're not going to solve everything in your kid's life. Your job is to set the guide rails like a racetrack. you can got to be between these lines and get them around the track as you move them to adulthood. But the idea that, well, I didn't hit them or yell at them, so what I did was okay, that's hogwash. It has to be an appropriate and consistent response. So that's axiom number one. Axiom number two, always teach before and after discipline or before and after consequences. Teach, 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 teach. Talk to your kids. Talk to them. Teach them. One of the things that my wife and I talk about a lot is people don't know how to think about what's going on in people around them. 
It's probably a large percentage of what we do in couples counseling, saying to a husband, well, how do you think your wife felt about that? What do you think was going through her mind with that? How do you think she re- was going on internally? What do you think was going on internally to her when you said that? And most of the time they look at you like you've grown 15 heads. And, and they're all 15 different heads. And so you teach your children, hey, you live here. So part of living here is engaging in these activities, which are responsibilities, not fun. You live here, so, so part of living with other people is learning to tolerate uh, discomfort and distress and frustration. You don't always get what you want to eat. Sometimes you eat what you need to eat. Teach, teach, teach. My wife put up a post on Facebook about you know different things that she's heard in the room that she never would have thought of before she started counseling. One of the ones that, that we've talked about, because she's heard a lot of, is... People, they need to eat their vegetables, and they threw up, so I made them eat the throw up. I just want you to know, if I ever hear that, I'm going to call CPS on you. And that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of dumb things in my life. Making someone eat vomit to teach them a lesson is insanity. And we have to stop like that crazy woman in the 90s. Stop the insanity. Maybe it was the 80s. I don't know. I'm old. You cannot make your children eat vomit. Like, I don't even, I can't believe I have to say that, but I do. It's not good parenting. But there's another problem we have in 2020. We're not allowed to tell anybody they're not a good parent. Hogwash. So you have to teach before discipline. And before you get to the discipline, you need to make sure that you're under control. It's difficult for me to believe that someone is cause, who's causing their child to eat vomit is under control. Now, look, I've been there. I've been in the food wars. One of my daughters sat for two and a half hours at the kitchen table refusing to eat two baked beans. Not even a spoonful. Two. I've been in the food wars. I get it. They're frustrating. But you got to teach before discipline, teach after discipline. When there are consequences that you give your children, you need to explain to them what they did wrong, what it would look like to have done it right. Then administer the consequences, whatever it is, you're grounded, I'm taking this, I'm taking that. And then you have to teach again. Here's a free one. It's not on my list of axioms. I'm going to add it when the show's over. Uh... Don't take your punishment or your child's ill behavior to Facebook. Don't publicly shame your child. Just yesterday, I saw somebody in social media talking about how they're the worst mother in the world, completely passive-aggressively, and, well, my kids aren't learning this, and my kids aren't learning that, and they're 18 and 16. Well, who didn't teach them that? And I know that's harsh. I know in 2020, somebody's going to say, Joe, you're judging them. You're hating on them. No, I'm just saying, as a parent, if you want to teach your child to own their own behaviors, you have to own your own behaviors. And you can't shame them on Facebook. A, they don't even care about Facebook. But B, the amen chorus that you're going for isn't actually helping you. All right, so the third axiom, work for emotional attachment, not quiet. This one's bigger for for parents. I think of younger kids or of multiple boys. Your house is going to be loud. It just is. So work for emotional attachment. You know, people often talk about, well, how do I help my kid do this or do that or blah, blah, blah. Help them be emotionally secure. Work on the attachment. Give them time to look you eyeball to eyeball, to talk, to express their feelings, to disagree with your family values. 
Give them the safe space, the space that is comfortable to be able to tell you whatever they need to tell you. Give them, you don't have to fix it. You can just listen. Give them the comfort and the safe space to be able to talk to you about their friendships that are, that are troublesome. You don't have to fix them for them. Right now, one of my daughters is having a back and forth with, with one of her friends. And, and I do, I read their texts. I've told you this before. And I've watched her handle the conversation in, in a masterful way, especially for her age. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that I want to do is I want to jump in, especially when the friend's like, well, my mom wants to talk to you. I want to be like, oh, I like I want to get on. I could text from my computer and be like, oh, cool. I want, I want to talk to your mom. That'll be fun. Sign my name. I don't do that. I let them wrestle through it. But my daughter has the space. We have the emotional attachment that she can come to my wife or myself and talk to us. You want to work for emotional attachment, not quiet. When your kids are little, play with them. Join in for 10, 15 minutes. That's all. That's all you need to do. Most research that I've heard about and read says that kids need about 15 minutes to feel like their cup is full. Because they want to, they're, they're also learning to build their own lives. They're learning to, to navigate their own waters. Live the, here, here, here's another axiom. axiom. Uh, live the values you want them to learn. Don't just talk about the values. Kids live what they learn and they learn what they live. If your kids are acting with values that are different than yours, especially when they're younger, you have to ask yourself, where did that come from? And like, so one of my daughters, when she's frustrated, she'll just say, stop. I realized I say that when I get frustrated. She learned that from me. You have to live the values you talk about. That's part of the teaching process. I used to have a prof in my undergrad, or I had a prof in my undergrad, he's passed away now, who used to say that teaching's 5% whatever the subject is and 95% character transferal. I think that's especially true when we're talking about parents teaching their children. Uh, do you exhibit the values you want your kids to learn? I know that's a hard question. It's one that, man, I'm like, okay, well, what about this? What about that? How do I do this? Uh, you know, one, I was talking to a parent one time who, who we were talking about this and his son said to him, I just hate people. And he's like, why would you say that? He's like, well, you say it all the time. Oh, crap. Yeah, I don't really mean it, but you're five, so you probably can't distinguish that. So I have to figure that out. I have to come up with a different way to express my frustration. And he and I talked about that for a while. We had a fun conversation. Uh, don't do nothing unless doing nothing is intentional. Here's the next axiom. Don't do nothing unless doing nothing is intentional. In other words, be engaged. But then there are times you can just do nothing. Like I always tell people, you can tell your kids, like, look, we know that you're going to be grounded. We don't know how long. Uh, we don't know exactly from what. But we'll tell you in 24 hours. We're going to take 24 hours to do nothing, to just ponder this. Or tell your kids, yep, nope. And you can stop engaging in the conversation. Once you've answered the question, you can stop. Just don't engage. Just walk away. If they follow you, just do nothing. But doing nothing has to be intentional. Sometimes doing nothing is just letting them experience the consequences of their natural, the natural consequences of their actions. Train for wisdom in your actions. Your discipline should help you gain more wisdom. I'm going to say that again. Your discipline of your child should help you gain more wisdom. Because it's about you expressing your values. That's why I think this thing that I read was completely wrong. Because it wasn't about... It wasn't, it wasn't a wise decision. 
And one of my values is I want to be wise. It was a unwise decision. And, and kids live what they learn. They learn what they live. So train for wisdom. Yes, I want my children to be wise. One of the best ways for them to teach, for me to teach them wisdom is for me to exhibit wisdom in my own behaviors. And then the last one, they're not really in any written order. I've actually read them to you in a different order than I even have them written down. Breathe deep. Parenting's hard, man. It is hard. Uh, my daughter and I were talking about bro culture. If you don't know what that is, feel free to Google it. And it's hard because, like, one of the organizations she's a part of had bro night. And she's like, Dad, that just seems wrong to me. Yeah, I get that. And it's hard. Or she'll say, hey, you and mom believe this. I'm not sure I do. That's hard. Or my seven-year-old doesn't want to go to sleep, so he has questions. And it's not like my son. He's seven. It's not like he has questions like, hey, why is blue blue? He somehow at seven asks philosophical questions. He asks questions like, well, how does that work? What's going on here? No, dude, I'm not answering you because I just, I just had a long day. I just want to read. I want to relax. Oh, well, Ken, what about this? What about that? And it's frustrating. So you take deep breaths. We know that breathing helps regulate our emotions. Take deep breaths. Breathe deep. It's hard. Parenting is hard. And even if you're doing your best, one of my favorite, I love some both hands. Even if you're doing your best, we can always do better. And there's two edges to that. On the one hand, I, I know, I know without thinking about it, I can look back and I will have opportunities for regret as a parent. Look back and be like, man, I could have done that different. I could have done that different. Even if they, quote, turned out well, end quote. And then on the other hand, it's hard because, well, wait, what do you mean I can do better? Well, you can do better. And, 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 you know, the acceptance of, you know, look, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm always going to be able to look back and I'm always going to be like, oh, I could have done that better. That can be freeing. That can be liberating. The other side of it, though, is I can be like, man, that sucks. Because we want to just be good at whatever it is we do, typically. So engage parenting. Understand that, that there's going to be disagreements. And maybe you disagree with me. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure there are people that disagree with how I parent. Uh, I joked for a while that depending on who you talk to, I was either the most liberal parent in the world or I was the most conservative parent in the world. And, and these are axioms. They're not necessarily rules for parenting or anything, but just things to consider. The one that I just, there's two that I just, I just always want to be in my awareness. Parenting is about teaching and consistency wins. All right, so this has been a long episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm thinking about doing an episode on phrases that just chafe my chaps. Uh, my wife and I and my daughter were talking about this just recently, and people will say a certain phrase, and my wife is like, you know, I just dislike that phrase. I'm like, oh, me too. So we, we kind of made a little list. Uh, what about you? Do you have a phrase that people say that just irritates you? Share it with me. Send me an email, joe at joemartino.com. Uh, I'd love to hear it. Love to know if it's something that I understand. If I do understand it, does it irritate me or not? If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email. Again, joe at joemartino.com. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends on social media. You are our best uh, forms of sharing this information with people. And I really want to get this information out to as many people as I can, help as many people as I can. 
If you haven't been to my webpage, feel free to head on over to joemartino.com. You can book me to speak there. You can find a link to buy my book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can sign up to get basically two emails a week where I have short articles that I write or media things that I share Mondays and Thursdays. Come straight to your mailbox. You'll never have to click out of it. You can read it and uh, move on. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.